This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. This is Peter and Tricia welcoming you to Great News and God's Views on Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. Our worship theme today, Christ calls us to put the needs of people above legalism and ceremony. Making the crooked straight. The setting of today's texts from Luke chapter 13 is a Jewish synagogue on a Sabbath. Other than Jesus, the names of the characters of Luke's recorded drama are unknown. The focus is on a person being healed. The intent is the demonstration of the crooked becoming straight at the loving hand of the Lord. According to the records of the Gospel writers, at this point in his ministry, Jesus was no longer teaching and preaching in the synagogues. On this particular Sabbath, he did return to preach. This is the last account of his doing so. His presence in the synagogue, where the lady in desperate need had come to worship, was for her one of God's divine appointments. Like many worshippers today, she came to church anticipating more of the accustomed sameness. Because she met Jesus, she left a new person, and so may we. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah shouted the need to make the rough places smooth and the crooked ways straight for the coming of the Lord. In Luke's account, a back is made straight at the coming of the Lord because its crookedness is taken away by his healing. Many today need lives that are made straight by the hand of the Lord. In all the ways of our crookedness, Jesus calls us to wholeness. We can stand erect and straight in him. We read from Luke chapter 13. And behold, there was a woman which had an spirit of infirmity eighteen years, and was bowed together, and could in no wise lift herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him, and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. The concern of the lady. The scripture says that the lady had been bowed together. This was a term for the curvature of the spine. When Jesus saw her, he called to her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. Also he laid his hands on her. In his healing ministry, Jesus healed by speaking to the person. He also healed by touching that part of the body that was to be healed. In all likelihood, Jesus put both hands on her back. She was immediately healed and began to praise God for her great blessing of wholeness. For a period of 18 years she'd suffered. Since the Jews traced all evil to the power and presence of Satan, she'd been judged as a great sinner. Even as a daughter of Abraham, she'd been held captive. Now, on the Lord's day in the Lord's house by the Lord's Son, she'd been set free. Freedom from bondage to Satan, sin and self are available today through the same Lord Jesus Christ. He is waiting for your faith for his full response to his grace to be free in him. The complaint of the leader, we read from Luke thirteen thirteen, And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. 
And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work, and then therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Such a miracle should cause rejoicing. Instead, it prompted censure on the part of the president of the synagogue. He was indeed a hypocrite, for he acted as if he had concern for the people. In fact, he was more committed to preserve the status quo than to celebrate a miracle of God. The implication is that the leader was aghast at the actions of the woman when obviously his tirade was directed to Jesus. He decided that healing was work. Therefore, Jesus had worked on the Sabbath. Jesus had broken the strong cords of legalism. Law was more important than persons. Adherence to man's interpretation was more valuable than the individual. The debate still goes on. Law or grace, legalism or freedom. Blind, unquestioned submission or individual protests from God. The compassion of Christ. Luke 13, verse 15. The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, in these eighteen years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. The Jews said healing was acceptable if the person's life was in danger. The lady's need was not so critical that it would not wait a day to be healed, yet God's love is immediate. His concern is always in the present tense, and his love is ever now. Out of his constant compassion, Jesus brought new life to her. He did it in the today of her life, when so often we delay to another day to express our love and care to the life of one in desperate need. The text ends with a party. The party poopers had been put to shame. The people are rejoicing at the glorious things Jesus had done. The lady who stands at last erect, strong and straight, is leading the parade. You are listening to Great News and God's Views on Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. Our first music today... Love of God, Keith Getty and Stuart Townend.
ever thought that too much mud could supposedly disprove the Bible? Well, mudstone, which is rock formed from mud, makes up a huge percentage of Earth's sedimentary rocks, and many allege that this invalidates the biblical account of a global flood. Mud forms when very fine particles settle to the bottom in water. Geologists say that calm water conditions are required for this settling process to occur. Therefore, whenever they encounter mud deposits, they interpret them as forming in tranquil water environments. But the biblical flood would have been catastrophic, not tranquil. 
local. And that's why many say the flood can't account for mud deposits. But recent research published in the prestigious journal Science has turned this argument on its head. The researchers showed that mud deposits from rapidly flowing water. One of the researchers wrote, Mudstone Science is poised for a paradigm shift. Once again, science catches up with the Bible. To find out more from Creation Ministries International, visit our website, creation.com. You are listening to Great News and God's Views on Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. You can catch recent episodes of this show on freefm.org.nz and using the Access Internet Radio app, available now in the App Store and Google Play. We continue with At the Name of Jesus, written by Carolyn Lowell. Born in London in 1817, Lowell was the daughter of a vicar in the Church of England. She died in London in 1877. Though she began writing hymns at an early age, she stopped when she was 20 years old and didn't resume hymn writing until 20 years later in 1857. The last 25 years of her life were spent as an invalid. The Name of Jesus and Other Verses for the Sick and Lonely was published in 1861. While the words are those of Caroline Noel, the musical treatment is more contemporary. At the Name of Jesus.
The self-control to say no. Prudence, deliberation, patience, shrewdness, restraint. These words and many like them live and thrive in the book we call Proverbs. They've not always fed so well in the open air. In a yet rich quick age, the operative word is not wait, but now. Yet for those who will hear, in these two verses may be found a small treasury of lessons for living the good life. We read from Proverbs 25, beginning at verse 6. Put not forth thyself in the presence of the king, and stand not in the place of great men. For it is better that it be said unto thee, Come up hither, than that thou shouldest be put lower in the presence of the prince whom thine eyes have seen. Self-control is the key was demonstrated in Eden by its absence and by Jesus in the wilderness by his presence, the self-control to say no. That word no is the heart of the catchphrase of a major national campaign to keep young people off drugs. Just say no. As though the moral life were as easy as speaking a simple one-syllable word. Eden proved it wasn't so. If we needed such proof, Saying no requires more than vocal cords. That's the least of it. It requires self-control. The word applies to preachers in their preaching, teachers in their teaching, lovers in their waiting, friends in their arguing, athletes in their training, painters in their painting, all of us in our living. To say no at the right time is a high virtue, a skill far surpassing most. Don't put yourself forward, we're advised here. And at the end of the chapter, we are told why. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Self-control can help us to be humble. Paul, in Romans 12, gets proverbial. That is, he says a lot of in a few words. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Romans 12.3 The point is roughly the same. Overrating ourselves is not only bad strategy from the perspective of Proverbs 25, that is, for its consequences for me directly, it is also extremely off-putting for others. In the 13th century, a Franciscan monk Lane Bonaventure made an observation that has been borrowed many times for many purposes, but with the same basic point. 
We won't read the Latin, but the translation was an example from the monkey. The higher it climbs, the more you see of its behind. Self-control and humility can be learned. A central premise of the book of Proverbs is that virtue can be learned. It is not the exclusive domain of the virtuously bred or well-heeled. In this case, humility and restraint are the virtues being encouraged. What we lack in wisdom does not have to ruin us for life. If we're willing to hear somebody say, it is better to be told, then we can practice actions that reflect such virtue. And in practicing, we grow to the very thing we practice to be. We hear such a learned posture in the psalmist who says, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself. We continue with My Heart is Filled with Thankfulness by Keith Getty and Stuart Townend.
Thank you for joining us today for great news and God's views on Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. Our closing music today, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus, written by George Duffield in 1859. Again, the musical treatment is more contemporary. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Ye soldiers of the cross, lift high His royal banner. It must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, His army shall He lead till every foe is back. Lord indeed Stand up, stand up for Jesus The trumpet call obey Forth to the mighty conflict In this His glorious day Ye that are men now serving Against unnumbered foes Let courage rise with danger And strength to strength oppose And stand in His strength alone Stand up, stand up for Jesus Stand in His strength alone The arm of flesh will fail Trust your own Put on the gospel armor Each piece put on with prayer Where duty calls or danger Be never wanting there Stand up for Jesus Stand up, stand up for Jesus The strife will not Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.